scrambling around to try and find something to talk about this week. Welcome to 100 Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode... Uh, is it 311 or 312? It's 312, isn't it? We're up to a good... <laughs> no, this, is, this is fantastic. Uh, welcome to episode... I'm going back through my email now. When did I send it to you? Uh, 312 of Hand of Pod. Mm-hmm. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. By Tony. Hello. For the first time in a long time. Welcome back, Tony. Thank you. And by Andres. Hello, for the first time in the week. Yes, uh, I forgot to tell you before we started recording, but if all, four, if all three of you can try and speak up a little bit more loudly than usual, that'd be lovely, because I've turned the microphone down. Okay, Sam. To keep the background noise down. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. The results from the Superliga last weekend, which was a long time ago now, and we've mostly forgotten about it, so I'll refresh our memories, were Estudiantes nil, Aldo Civi 2 and Atletico Tucumán 3, Tigre 0 on Friday evening. On Saturday, Independiente 3, Colón 0, River Plate 4, San Martín de San Juan 1, Belgrano 0, Newell's Old Boys 0, Argentinos Juniors 0, Boca Juniors 1. On Sunday, Patronato 0, Gimnasia 2, Vélez Sarsfield 1, San Martín de Tucumán 0, Unión de Santa Fe 2, Tacheres 1, Lanús nil, Racing one, Godoy Cruz one, San Lorenzo nil, and on Monday there was there were there were two more matches. Huracan three, Banfield nil, um, which stands out a bit in my opinion. I didn't see much of the game. And Rosario Central nil, Defensa y Justicia one, um, which is also another yes. interesting mm-hmm. score. Uh, there have been some Copa Libertadores matches played since uh, the weekend as well. We're going to lump those in probably all together. It's quite difficult, in fact, to separate things out. So what we're more likely to do, I think, is talk about the Libertadores first, because at the moment that's what people probably want to hear about, let's face it. I'm going to go take a walk in the garden then. Yes, I'll, be back uh, we, I'll call you. We, we've lured <laughs> English Dan here to, to his own living room um, on false pretenses, because I did tell him that we weren't going to talk about the Libertadores. Um, but the what? Are. Sorry, um, this weird midweek cup competition. I don't think yeah. it's it, really it might, anyone's interested. It might catch on one day. Yeah. Um, the results so far from the Libertadores quarterfinal first legs were Tuesday evening. Atletico Tucumán lost. Uh, was it one 0 Two 0 Two 0 wasn't it? Yeah, they had one man sent off and they conceded Gervasio two goals. Um, to at home to Gremio, mm-hmm. the holders of the Copa Libertadores, and. Um, on Wednesday evening, which is why we're recording on Thursday this week, um, Independiente versus River Plate ended nil-nil down in Avellaneda, and Boca Juniors against Cruzeiro ended two-nil to Boca. The remaining quarterfinal first leg is Colo Colo against Palmeiras, and that's being played in about two and a quarter hours. Um, it does not involve an Argentine side. So I'm not going to give you the score at the end of the podcast because whenever I do that, it adds about five or ten minutes to the editing process just at the point where I'm thinking I've finished the episode now 
I can go and pour myself a Fernet and just enjoy while the computer does the rest of the work. Uh, so you'll have to look that up for yourselves. Um, anyway, Libertadores first, and then we'll go back in time and, and uh, talk about the Superliga. I suppose we have to... There, there's one thing um, above all others that we need to get sorted out, isn't there, really? Uh, one very big talking point from the Libertadores. Um, how do we pronounce Dede in, in Portuguese, Dan? You speak more Portuguese than the rest uh, of us. I think it's, yeah, the emphasis is on the... Yeah, Shishi, possibly. Him, anyway, Dede, in English or Spanish. Um, Should he have been sent off? Mm, I don't think he should have been sent off. Um, To just give a little bit of background about uh, this particular talking point, it was a Crusader corner, I believe. Either a corner or a free kick. In any case, the ball was pumped into the box. Um... Boca's keeper, Esteban Andrada, comes out looking for the ball. Both eyes on the ball. Uh, makes contact and gets it away. Coming the other way is uh, Dede, Gigi, uh, the Crusader guy, who has, uh, I'm going to call him. Also with both eyes on the ball. And his forehead went straight into Andrada's mouth. Well, in, not his forehead, it was the top of his head. Well, the top of his head, yeah. Uh, straight into Andrade's mouth in a really, really sickening clash. Sickening, but accidental. Uh, you have to say um, both guys yeah, were completely focused on on getting their hands or head on the cross. Uh, there was no malice on the part of the Crusader guy. And it appeared that that was that. You know, obviously Andrade was very unlucky. It came out uh, after the match that he'd suffered a fractured jaw. He will be... Operated on, I believe, tomorrow, Friday, or today, possibly, if you're listening to the podcast. And he's likely to miss a month of action, which is obviously a big uh, blow for Boca, because he was a guy they really wanted uh, pre-season. They managed to lure him in from Lanús, and so far, you have to say, he's been living up to expectations in the Boca goal. And in what I have to say is, you know, just to take a slight digression is a very good year for for goalkeepers, I think, at least among the big five. Yeah. Um, Andrada, apparently, and, and, and it's a good uh, example, this, of, of how some goalkeepers are more fashionable than others. Um, Andrada kept more clean sheets in his first eight before last night, and since he kept a clean sheet last night as well, he, he's kept more clean sheets in his first nine Boca matches than Franco Armani managed in his first nine River matches. There you go. And Racing's keeper Arias is on four straight clean sheets now. Yeah, and he's the Chilean first. Chilean. Argentine nationalised Chilean, and now I, I don't mean, know if the he's... Chilean national side has been. He has been playing. while Claudio Bravo's been injured, of mm. course. I don't know if he'd keep his course, place yeah, yeah. when Bravo comes back, but that makes more sense. He's got a lot of fans, that's for sure. Um, so Andrade, yeah, he's out of the of Sunday Super Clasico. He's out of, obviously, the return match against Crusader, as is uh, Gigi, who was controversially sent off via the VAR. Or was it via the VAR? Well, the referee... <laughs> you were saying before we started recording that it's not the VAR that screwed Crusader over as such, it's, it's the referee. No, it was the referee, of course. The referee um, got it into his head that there might have been something intentional or malicious about the, uh, the passage of play. Asked to look it back and and it's one of it's, it's one of the dangers of of the VAR. I mean, I, I I don't mind the VAR that much, but I, 
if you're a referee and you've taken a decision and then somebody pipes in your ear and says, hey, you might want to look at this one again, you start to second-guess yourself. You, you do, yeah. Psychologically, yeah, I mean, not that I'm a referee who's ever used VAR, of course, but it's not difficult to imagine as you're watching it thinking, okay, someone else has told me I'm wrong about this or that I might be wrong about it. Maybe I'm wrong about it. And that's when you start to um, yeah, and especially reverse you know, what was initially a fine decision. Yeah, but also it's a it's a game of, of pressure because uh, just like you said, some before we, we start recording, uh, we were talking with Andres that you have kind of a pressure to to uh, when when someone is speaking at, at your at your ear and saying you you might look uh, at that again mm -hmm. and, and try to to see if you made the right call, you, you might be pressured to uh, change what you um, called first instead of just saying okay I wasn't wrong. Mm. It, it's a doubtful play, maybe, but I wasn't wrong. And yeah. I, I kept my decision. And especially and when you've got Andrada lying on the floor with blood streaming out of his yes. mouth. The whole bombonera... Uh, Asking for the yeah. blood. Uh, figuratively this time. Figurative blood. Possibly. Like, or maybe literal. So I guess the follow-up, right, to play devil's advocate, as, as pretty much everybody in South America who doesn't support Boca has, has been united in saying this is an absolute disgraceful decision. I wouldn't people, say it's a disgrace. Been, it was just um, People have been decision. sort of differing as to their opinions about why it might be a disgraceful If you're Brazilian, then it's definitely because Conmebol are determined to piss off their most... Uh, yeah, they're not very happy. market for some yeah. reason. Um, but if you're not, then, then it's because Conmebol always wants to help out Boca if you're a River fan or it's because it's just an awful decision or whatever. But I mean... It, it's not the worst decision I've ever no, seen. No, no, no. And so why has there been such a reaction as if from some people as, as if it was the worst decision you've ever seen? Is this just because South American? Because it's Boca, because it's Argentina. It's VAR, yeah. too. Because it's VAR, obviously. It, this, this is some, yeah. something very new here in South America. I mean, you, you saw it in the World Cup and you, you almost when, when you were watching the World Cup, you, you, you thought if, if this is implemented in South America... Something like this might happen even worse because people, even if they see the injustice or the right call being made, they won't agree anyway, and and they will feel like cheated or robbed. Mm -hmm. And it, even if uh, the the replay is showing you that maybe you're wrong, mm -hmm. maybe it it just a red card that the 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 referee called and it's right uh, to be a red card, but maybe you feel robbed anyway. Because, yeah, you know, cosmic reasons and whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's something that maybe it, it's hard to implement, even if with, in, when in South America you have very doubtful referees uh, involved in many cheating ways. So it's, it's hard to call bar in South America. Yes. And we must say that Crucero didn't really do themselves any favors as well with their lineup. I'd say if I, was a, if I were a Crucero fan instead of VAR, I'd be more uh, angry at uh, Barcos. I mean, playing Ram Barcos as the sole striker in a Copa Libertadores quarterfinal, and I think I saw their entire first team had an average age of 32. Mm. I mean, it's, it's not exactly the the most adventurous way to go out. No, it's, it's, everyone knows, I think, by this point, that kind of just going out and hoping for the best in the away leg isn't really going to cut the mustard anymore. It's the kind of lineup that they've been adopting quite a bit in away matches yeah. in the Libertadores this year. Of course, in the previous round, they lost their away game 1-0 against Flamengo. No, they won it. No, they, oh, that was right. Yeah, it was two away victories, wasn't yeah. it? Um, so it worked for them. <laughs> there we yeah, go. But, they the played, but they went out um, and attacked in that game. It was yeah. a completely different uh, strategy. Yeah, it was 
Very strange. Maybe it was a case of they were more familiar with how Flamengo played and so they felt mm. a bit more confident. In that case, why aren't they watching Boca games? I mean, it's Brazil-Argentina, not uh, I don't know, Mexico and the Faroe Islands. They mm. say like these games are available to, to watch on tape. What, is, what he was going to say about VAR is that there are two things that, for me, are key to understand why the referee calls uh, the, or at least sent off the DD or GG. And this, that, um, of course, you see Andrade with blood in his mouth, and it's like when you, uh, there is a player that shows the referee their, his wounds and say, look what he done to me, and that is, of course, he uh, understand why uh, the referee may have thought that he, uh, that the, the DD wanted to help, but um, Andrade. And the other thing is that. Uh, I think that what he said and what also I said before we started recording is that when they, there is a call from the referee that is uh, uh, managing the bar and the referee in the, in the pitch uh, is going to look again the, the, the play, he thinks that he must change the, the, his call. Uh, it's like uh, the most obvious or the most logical decision. And it's good to say that it's not uh, like that. It's not that he has to, but uh, the 90% of the times it's like that because they go to see, oh yes, it's, it's like the uh, uh, politically correct thing to, 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 yes, I was wrong and, and the bar helped me to, to review the, the, the play and now I, I realize that I had to, to send off the player or, call, or award the penalty uh, when previously he didn't. So uh, I think that those are, are, are things that help at least help me understand why he changed his, his decision. Uh, even when the bar is good and the referee was, was wrong for me. Uh, this is my opinion. It also, I mean, the, the decision kind of ended up overshadowing what was actually a pretty decent performance from Boca. Yeah, they played very well. It was, it was the best that they've, they've managed, or at least the most convincing um, that they've managed in a while, particularly in the first half. Maybe lacking a little bit of, of invention until Mauro Sarate's opener uh, from a lovely 1-2 with Pablo Perez. Um, in the second, Cruzeiro were coming into it as well, and, and Dede was, or, or whatever he's called, um, was possibly their best player during the first half, and that was another reason, really, that it's such a kick in the teeth to them, if you'll forgive it's me, Mr. <laughs> um, to, to lose him for the second leg, if they do, because apparently they've sent a delegation to Asuncion to talk to Conmebol and ask mm. for Dede to be allowed to play in the second leg. Um, but it also could ultimately be what sort of hammers the nail in the coffin because for all of their decent play, um, Boca were still only 1-0 up and, and they capitalised on a really quite poor defensive error sort of eight minutes after Dede got sent off um, to score the second goal. It's Given how he had been playing, it is difficult to think that Cruzeiro would have defended that situation in that way, uh, quite that chaotically, if he'd still been on the pitch. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's counterfactual, right? Uh, yeah. Possibly in those last 15 minutes, if he had still been on the pitch, Crusader would have pushed even further forward and then the goal would have arrived nonetheless on the counter-attack. We, it's very hard to, uh, to say. I'd, I would say that um, even before the red card, I thought, yeah, as as you said, Boca were good value for the victory. They had a couple more chances um, that could have uh, extended the scoreline a little bit more. Uh, second half, I saw something quite similar to the um, 
So the game against Libertad, actually, if you can remember that far back to the last 16 here in uh, Bombonera, where they were all over Libertad in the yeah. first half. And for the second half, just strangely kind of relax and start taking their foot off the gas. And they've got away with it twice now in, in Libertadores' uh, first legs, you know, kind of inviting their their opponents to come back at them after after getting an early lead and and they've been alright up to now but you don't know, you know. But semi finals finals, like can they get away with that? They didn't suffer too much. Uh, no no no. Uh, they had the one with Wilmer Barrios who Yeah well, I was about to, to to talk about that. How, how much uh Crusader uh, feels the need to to put some some um you know go to con the ball and ask for for a, a review about that that red card if they were scored that goal. I think at this point as well, like from Crusado's point of view, I mean part of it's you know deflecting from what was quite a poor performance, and mm-hmm. also it's kind of looking forward to the next match right before this uh, rabble rousing and and chest beating. You know, it's one way to get your players motivated for the second leg, right? If they feel like there's a there's an injustice, right? And I think that you know the psychological. Uh, motive uh, is that is behind some of this, rather than actually thinking they can get this overturned or whatever. Also, um, I, I would like to. It, this is more of a rhetorical question. I, I don't think that any of us is in any capacity to answer it. But um, how much the, the the referees have have been training in bar? That that something that popped into my head when I, when I saw the action that is it really the right tool to use now? Can can, can mm. we? I, th- I think it's definitely I, I mentioned this I think a couple of weeks ago and last year as well when they brought it in for the semi-finals it, it seems odd to only have it for certain bits of the tournament mm. to me mm. it, it just okay we're not going to use it in, okay last year they took the decision to in, that they were going to introduce it and they took that decision right before the semi-finals and they said we're going to introduce it now but then having taken that last year, why this year, why do you not have it for the group stage and not have it for the round of 16 and then say we're going to use it from the quarterfinals onwards? I mean, it's, yeah, very it arbitrary. Bizarre, and right? Even and if you not just did it for the knockout stages in America onwards, for them yeah. to use it. Do they have to spend more money if they use it more or is it the same amount of money? Maybe technological is a kind of key points in some stadiums, but I don't think... They have to pay the referees. They'd have to pay the extra referee, yeah, yeah, wouldn't they? Perhaps it just all depends on how many VAR machines they can get through, you know, on these trips in New York and get back from South America without getting done at customs. We don't know. As the AFA did. As the AFA did. all about that. They got impounded at Argentine customs. It appeared to be a load of stuff that they had taken along for their video analysis team and they'd taken out there and they brought it back and there'd been a mix-up or something. That's what they Undeclared, the no, they were undeclared Lego toys and all sorts. Oh, really? That was yeah. yeah, there was a the dinosaur <laughs> there was a Lego, Lego stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, uh, it's still there anyway until they pay the fine. Um, so Boca Cruzeiro, it should be a comfortable lead. It's been a long time, if ever, since Boca last um, took a two-goal first-leg lead and let it slip in the Libertadores. Uh, but of course, they are going to be going in with. Who? Agustin Rossi. At the moment, Agustin Rossi. They're allowed to sign um, another goalkeeper depending on how long Andrade is out for. If they want to sign a different goalkeeper for the rest of the Libertadores, then they're allowed to, and it can be anybody they want. Um, If they want to sign another goalkeeper for the Superliga, it has to be somebody who's currently playing in the Argentine League. 
Um, and they will be allowed to if Andrada is um, diagnosed as having to be out for I think it's four months or more. We'll, we'll no, he's going to be a month out. Apparently, no, no, yeah. I, I read that they wouldn't know the exact um, time okay. of the recovery until after the operation. I heard it will be more, more time. And, and in fact, there uh, have been. I, I watched a, a poll that they have done in a show we are watching now, uh, uh, and they asked, the, of course, Boca supporters whether uh, Boca should. Uh, hire another goalkeeper or, or to keep Rossi and uh, I don't know how many people vote there but uh, Rossi won by a large number hmm. uh, because yes it looks like Andrade won't be at least for the second leg of the of the uh, quarterfinals of Copa Libertadores and then we, we know he will be will have to go and undergo a surgery of course mm-hmm. and, and then we will see how he recovers but uh, I was going to say about Cruzeiro that there wasn't there uh, Georgian de Arascaeta, the Uruguayan mm. playmaker. Uh, Who also tweeted asking yes. what use is VAR? Yes. Uh, so if he's back for the second leg, I know perhaps it's a, a real difference and, and he can really make Rosario play differently because yes, yesterday I, I, th- I think it was worse than I thought mm. uh, with Barcos ahead as if he were, I know, uh, to compare him with. Uh, Another uh, yes, solitary um, striker that is like a hero there, but he couldn't even shoot on target. So maybe. yeah, I must say before that game kicked off, I personally thought that the champion was going to come out of Crusader or Boca that game, the Libertadores champion. Uh, now I'm not so sure. Mm. <laughs> In the other match on Wednesday evening. Um, we're not going to spend as long on it as we did on this because we've been recording for 21 minutes already. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't worry. In the other match on, on um, Wednesday evening, it was the first game that I've seen, apparently not the first game ever, but the first game that I've seen where the broadcasters ended up awarding a joint Man of the Match award. Um, they awarded it to the two goalkeepers, Franco Armani of River Plate and Martin Campagna. Was it actually joint now? I thought Armani got it and he just decided to invite Campagna along because, you know, no, no, River uh, and... Benedetto. Benedetto. Oh, the were like, reunion. It was so sweet. <laughs> the, lovely together, aren't they? The on-pitch uh, interviewer called, called uh, Campagna over as well and said he was giving it to them both, but he was going to make them decide between themselves who actually got to take the trophy. Cause obviously they you take the, the trophy. trophy. Oh, no, you take, no, you take <laughs> the trophy. Uh, Armani... Amani said that Campania could have it and Campania went alright um, <laughs> but uh, they both had uh, memorable saves to make they both made um, uh, made them when they had to and, and made some good ones Armani made one astonishing one from uh, stunk. Uh, Gigliotti um, Emmanuel Gigliotti which was uh, yet again Emmanuel Gigliotti failing to score against River Plate um, that goal which uh, the save in which the Fox commentator Mariano Gloss was already uh, yeah. announcing the goal it was a goal what um, it was pretty entertaining as nil nil's goal I, mean, yeah. it was, I found it a bit like always with because River, any game without yeah. goals and, and with that many chances is always a bit like oh there should have been one but Independiente hit the post a couple of times um, you know River created probably the slightly better chances mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. Um, in, in spite of having less possession um, but you know I, I thought it was, it was good stuff Yes, and there was something tactical thing that it's good to learn that sometimes the number of defenders or, or the line of, of midfielders or number of strikers doesn't tell you how the team will play. Mm. Because in the first half, River, at least the first minutes, appeared to be 
clear, clearly better, and, and he, they could have <coughs> scored easily. They couldn't because Campania was there. And the second half, Independiente or well, Holland uh, uh, decided to uh, add another defender, and there was a five uh, defenders line, and they played much better. Yeah, because it allowed uh, Bustos to start yes, pushing uh, up a lot more from the right. Gaston Silva, Gaston is Silva, the Uruguayan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there as a left back mm-hmm. who, of course, went ahead. And, and yes, it was much, much better because they used the ball, the, the, the sides of the, of the, of course, of the pitch uh, much better. And River, I think they were tired in the second half because, of course, they did the effort in the, in the first one. Mm-hmm. And that's something, of course, they have to perhaps review or, or see because it's... Well, it was similarly similar to the thing that happens every Sunday or every Saturday when they play for the Superliga, that they don't have the same energy because, uh, as I said, I think Gallardo says, tells the players in for Copa Libertadores, okay, block the, the the ball with your hands, like Maradona, for example, uh, and for the Superliga, okay, yeah, go and win the match, and nothing very really uh, uh, like different, and uh, mm. so I think that. Of course, the players are, are robots and they can do whatever they want, even if Gachado doesn't say uh, magical words. But uh, I think that in the second half in this match happens happened the same, that every match in the Superliga, they were like, tired or lack of energy because of the effort they had done, they had done previously. Yeah, and the other Libertadores match that we're going to talk about Way back on Tuesday night, everyone's forgotten about it already because it got so thoroughly overshadowed. But some respect, please, because at the moment, every match that Atletico Tucumán play is the biggest match in Atletico Tucumán's history. Um, and this one was no different. This was literally the biggest match in their history so far, until two weeks' time, which will be the biggest one again. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost it, unfortunately. Um, and there was, you know, it's frustrating. They play lovely football. Um, they were maybe, I hate to use this word because it gets so overused, but they were perhaps a little bit naive. Um, and Geracio Nunez really left his teammates right in it. I mean, that is one red card that there was not really any complaint about. I mean, there was from Geracio Nunez, but I don't well, think yeah. it was justified. Well, but it's another, I know if it's so so discussed or so uh, polemic like the yesterday night, uh, last night, uh, bar usage, usage, but... Uh, Gervasio Núñez swore uh, that he didn't want to put his feet uh, on on the on the rivals his rivals' head uh, back. Uh, he swore swears that he wanted to put his feet in the in the, in the grass or in the, in the in the in the floor, and the player was there. Uh, <laughs> so he well he that was magical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those. That's what it is. Yes, yeah. It's just like, of course you're not going to say yeah. I meant to do it. I nah. deserve that red card. Um, no, I've gone back to Atletico in general terms. I thought they they played well. They played uh, pretty mm. much as well as they can against uh, an extremely good team. Let's not forget Gremio, of course, the uh, reigning Libertadores champions, the Recopa champions, a team that has largely as well stayed together since um, they they won those trophies, apart from, yeah. uh, of course, Artur, who went uh, to Barcelona. He's kind of been replaced and... I don't think they might not be quite as dynamic as that team that that won the the Copa, but they're still extremely solid, extremely effective when they attack. They attack in numbers. They they're very good at uh, picking out the gaps and overwhelming their 
their opponents. Possibly uh, Atletico Tucumán were a little bit naive. I mean, they certainly took the game to, to Gremio. They didn't uh, leave anything back. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was the result. The, the less rom- romantic of us had to be expecting, even if we didn't particularly want it. Uh, it's been a great, great fun watching Atletico Tucumán and, of course, Polito Rodriguez, everyone's favourite player in the universe, uh, go out through the, to the quarterfinals. Yeah, and we'll be talking about in a, in a few minutes. Oh, he's got we? a hat trick at the weekend. He did indeed, yeah. Um, but carry on about the Libertadores first time. And so, yeah, I mean, if they're fated to go out at the last eight, I mean, it's beyond what anyone could have imagined for them at the start of the season and. And it's, you know, all the merit of them. And their fans have been absolutely fantastic as well. Really, like, filling out the stadium every single game, putting on a great show. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's been good to have them. They can come back anytime. Pulgita is clearly the owner of the team because uh, I, I watched uh, the match um, on, on Tuesday, Tuesday night. And uh, even when, for example, Leandro Diaz uh, uh, argued against or complained against the, the referee, it was clearly... Uh, taken by the cameras, and he's, he told uh, Diaz to shut that uh, conversation down, not to, to, to talk to the referee anymore, and to think about the game, because they were lo- losing at that point 1-0, then in the second half, uh, Gremio scored another, scored another one, but that shows you the, the authority he has over the other, his teammates, and like, well, he's 32, 33, uh, I don't We know. don't know yet. He's 33. 33, well... Uh, He's yeah. nine months younger than me. Oh. He's ageless. He is ageless. Yeah. Yeah. But he looks like he's 40. Like we said again, like we have had a talk the other day on Twitter about the, the, yeah. the players that look older. And he's one of those players that he could play until 40 and look like he's 50. So, uh, like Other that looks very similar to Polito Rodriguez, actually. Like he does have that auntie face, I must say. Yes. But yes, he's, I think he's the owner, he's the god of Tucumán. Oh, completely, yeah. This is a good segue into talking about the league, um, because having mentioned his hat-trick, I guess we should um, talk about his hat-trick. Why not? Uh, the first goal was so-so, the second goal was a penalty, the third goal was beautiful. A yeah. Knob, um, which Ariel Ortega would have been proud of. Yes. Um, Absolutely. To seal the hat-trick. And a thoroughly deserved 3-0 victory for Atletico Tucumán against Tigre. Um, anything else to say about that? No. Apart from Luis Rodriguez is brilliant. Is a god, yeah. That's um, all have to say. got a really impressive result away to Estudiantes, away on neutral ground, of course, because Estudiantes, in case we didn't mention this already, are playing all their games in Quilmes at the moment. Um, 2-0, Matias Pisano and Cristian Chavez, and that keeps up their really good starts to the season. Have they won three or four now? I don't I'll know. tell you in a minute, because we'll look up the... Uh, oh, actually, I can do it now, can't I? Um... They have got three victories and two defeats. Uh, but obviously more important for them is that it means they're way above the, the relegation scrap. Um, Independiente and River both got three goal wins. Independiente 3-0 and River 4-1 with a bit of help from the referee. Yes. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, Just River and Boca are... Well, I don't know why we didn't say this before, but River and Boca are clearly the favourites for the referees. And yes, that's <laughs> 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 Clearly. Just, just chuck it in and pass it. Thank you for reminding us. Oh, by the way, like, the whole league's biased. Uh, I, 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 discover, I discovered this. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, yes, it was clear. There were two balls in which 
the ball clearly out of the was out of the. Uh, that was right. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I don't think it was. I'm not sure how clear it was because the angle from sort of behind the player showed it, but with balls being spherical, it sort of from the other angle it didn't look as clear. But the penalty was was a, a joke yes. for the. That was the fourth goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, their their ball might have gone out of play. That that was the first goal for the benefit of listeners who aren't quite sure what I'm going on about. Um, it was a pretty impressive performance from River, and actually those two results, that and Independiente's three 0 win got me really excited about Wednesday evening's match because I was like, well, normally these teams manage to create loads of chances and don't score. Mm. And maybe that won't happen this time because they scored seven between them at the weekend. And then we It was the exception that proved the rule. So. Exactly. Loads of chances and didn't score. But of mm. course for River, it was their first uh, victory and indeed their first season. non-draw of the Superliga season. And these 27 matches that they don't lose? Uh, yeah, 28 now, yeah, with, with Wednesday's draw as well. But yeah, at the time it was 27 games unbeaten in all competitions. Um, another team who managed to break their run of four consecutive draws at the start of the Superliga season was San Lorenzo, mm-hmm. who lost. Um, but it's one way of doing it, and they lost with a stoppage time header from Gabriel Avalos away to Godoy Cruz. It was a deserved defeat, I think. Godoy Cruz were, I thought, the better team. Overall, just about. But I have to say, I thought San Lorenzo put in probably their best performance of the season so far. Even, in, you know, it's very, very difficult to go to Mendoza and get a result. Um, it has been for a couple of years now. And there were two curious things that determined the goals. Uh, not one was in that match, and the other one in the Russell match against Lanús. That the coach and in the case of Lanús, the players complained or were like uh, very upset because of the ball that they did they gave the ball to the rival and not didn't throw it away uh, in the case of uh, Guadalcruz against San Lorenzo I think that there was a Guadalcruz man in the, in the floor or something like that and San Lorenzo had to give it back but instead of giving it back uh, far away uh, they, they uh, let Guadalcruz play the same I think the same play and uh, after that uh, the goal came and it was stoppage time, like you said. Uh, yeah, you're quite. Yes, was like very, very. It was furious. Like if that were were was the most important thing in the match, and not that Sarenzo plays very bad. Uh, and in the other, in the Lanús against Racing match, Racing scored through uh, Pal- uh, no Cristaldo, and before that there was uh, the youngster De La Vega. I think it was uh, a, a seventeen. Year old kid that uh, yeah debutant had a very good game. He actually. played very very well and he was of course uh, there was an innovation from Lanús supporters. He goes to school and when he went to school and his te- his teammates uh, his schoolmates sorry also gave applaud applauding him and uh, but in the match uh, there was a play in which De La Vega was uh, uh, I think he was in the floor and they Lanús had the opportunity to. Uh, Throw the ball uh, out, and they didn't do it. And uh, oh, these, but these complaints are completely no, ridiculous. Case, no, it, completely it, it, yeah. ridiculous. If, if it's your own teammate who's down on the floor and you decide to play on, then yes. you get what's coming to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, the, the other one's a little bit. The, the San Lorenzo Godoy Cruz situation was a little. That was the one where I sort of, if Arsene Wenger had been managing, he'd have offered to replay the game. Does yeah. anybody remember <laughs> of that? Of course, yeah, very famous sure. um, uh, FA Cup goal against. Oh, I shouldn't have started this sentence because I can't. Sheffield United, I want to say, yeah. in the Feasible. late nineties, I think it was, um, where they they threw it back. In. Have you heard about this? No, Tony, you must know about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, so they had a throw in, and they, they had to throw it back to the opposition because it was because they put it out due to a 
um, an injury, and uh, I want to say Nguyen Kwakano was involved somehow and didn't realise that this was the sort of done thing mm. in England because he'd just arrived uh, and he scored. And Arsenal <laughs> won the game by a goal and uh, Wenger offered afterwards to replay the match because it was FA Cup. So he said, well, yeah, uh, just we're all draw. quite embarrassed about it. Yeah. We'll replay the game and they did. Um, and they ended up going through, if I remember rightly. Yep. But um, yeah, that's not going to happen in Argentina. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. Unfortunately. Right. Uh, I, want, I want to go, come back a little bit with the San Lorenzo game. I was surprised. Uh, I managed to to see the the goal because I was at my um, girlfriend's house, and I was seeing bit and pieces of, of the game. But I, I I managed to catch the goal, and I was surprised how how lost Colacini was in that mm. play. I mean, try to 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 get to the ball with the with the, with the feet. I mean, I, I was really surprised <laughs> to to see a seasoned and experienced centre back trying to. Yeah, get the ball that happens, they, yeah. Uh, if some of the listeners want to, to check that on YouTube because probably it is on YouTube and see how Colicini got lost and, anyway and anyway, it was of course it that that situation was out of the play even uh, but I think uh, even with the disaster of the Sonorenzo I think he at least matched he was the one of the best uh, players uh, of course I say the best in Sonorenzo yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying the Colicini is yes, bad yes. or playing bad but I, I was surprised that he, he he got that away or yes. made a poor choice of decision there to to try to to not yes. lose because they lose and by that goal. The match he said this that they were like uh, distracted or, or not very concentrated or, or that they were silly. Uh, not that they are playing bad. That's the most uh, dangerous thing for them. Yeah, his head's going basically. I think he's old. I'm just, I'm just looking <laughs> up how old he is. Start, this is going to make yeah. me feel awful. Oh no, he's two years older than me, so I can, yeah, I can yeah. say that still. He's thirty-six. Um, yeah. Uh, elsewhere, oh, the Clásico Junior Sense. We've not talked about Argentinos against Boca. Um, nothing controversial happened. Carlos Izquierdos scored a headed goal from a corner um, to give Boca a thoroughly deserved lead about halfway through the first half. Um, and that was it, really. They, they sort of closed the game out. Argentinos gave it a good go, but Boca were able to hold them at arm's length. Uh, probably the most controversial thing about it was that Carlos Tevez played. Because the previous time he played in the Estadio credit card, Diego Armando Maradona, um, he broke a Sekiel Ham's leg. Oh, I was about to say that. Tevez didn't broke anyone. And he got a fairly rough reception, it must be said. Yes. And uh, Barros Esquerotto afterwards said, you know, we respect Argentinos, but, but Tevez had to play today. And I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's available. They're it's all like, big boys, they can look after themselves. I mean, like he, he, he pays too much attention to what happens outside of the, of the match than in the match itself. Mm. Uh, well, that's not something that should surprise because he did the same things when he was a, a player that was placed with, played with the people, with people and what, uh, with people outside the, 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 the pitch. And, <coughs> and now he, with, as, as a coach, he's doing similarly the same. Um, apart from that, I must say that Boca is playing better than some time ago, in which I, I was uh, with the idea that uh, Boca uh, was a team, well, they keep doing that. They, they don't need to play a lot uh, uh, or play well to score. And uh, because, of course, they have Sarate that is playing well right now. They have, well, Paon, not last night, uh, wasn't his, his match last night, but uh, uh, with, with him, with uh, with Te- uh, Sarate and with Benetto that, that is back, uh, I think that they have tremendous 
attack and that is enough I think for, for them to, to score of course um, then they don't they don't suffer in defense until now with Andrada we will see what happens now uh, and so they don't have to elaborate a lot of, of play or, 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 or a play that uh, you say oh yes Boca plays very nice uh, so they do that they are solid in defense and they are tremendously effective in attack yeah the other most notable uh, match, I think, of the weekend, um, apart from the ones we've mentioned, was not at the weekend, in fact, it was on Monday night, um, which was Defensa Justicia's 1-0 win over Rosario Central. Central, of course, were the early pace setters. They won their first three games in a row, and then they lost to... Racing. Thank you for reminding me. Done the Racing. top of the table clash. One of the big five. Which left Racing <laughs> top of the table. Before the international <coughs> break. And now in the first game back after the international break, they've lost again. Um, 1-0 to defence Justicia I caught about the last 20 minutes of that game and that was enough to see the goal because it was scored in the 74th minute and then I saw sort of a fair chunk of the first half because it got replayed on the television later that night after my girlfriend had gone to bed um, and I thought overall defence Justicia were worth the win you know we know this they play some good football nobody's bigger than the team all those kind of cliches um, and the reason that I mentioned them is because it's taken them up to 5th uh, in this early and yet not early stage of the season, because well, what, in, in a, fifth a season of the way where, through, exactly, yeah, the season where yeah. We're, there are twenty six games, we've already had five matches, um, which means there are only twenty one games to go, and Defensa Justicia are fifth in the league, the league championship table. But twenty games to go. Of course, there are twenty six teams, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, quite right. Thank you. The league championship table looks like this: Racing at top of it with thirteen points. And a goal difference of plus eight. Atletico Tucumán a second with 11 points and a goal difference of plus five. Um, both of those teams have scored 10 goals. They are the only two teams to have got into double figures for goals scored so I far. I believe the only, almost the only goals they've conceded were against each other in that two-all draw. Yes, uh, Racing have conceded two. Yeah. And Atletico Tucumán have conceded five. As um, Boca a third with 10 points and a goal difference of plus three. Godoy Cruz a fourth with 10 points and a goal difference of plus two. And Defensivos DC, as I just mentioned, are fifth with a goal difference of nine. Uh, sorry, with points nine and a goal difference of plus two. And six goals scored. Unión a sixth with the same points and goal difference, but one goal fewer scored than Defensivos DC. <laughs> and then there are a bunch of teams in the Sudamericana spots. It's probably still a bit too early to bother reading out the whole league table. Uh, but the relegation table, Aldo Civi, as I mentioned already, way clear. They're not in second anymore. They have dropped a place to Racing, but... Um, they're third in the relegation table. Nine points from five matches. Not needing to worry about any of that stuff. San Martín de Tucumán are still finding it difficult to pick up points, though. They're still rooted to the bottom. Still with a game in hand, but it is a way to Independiente, so I'm not sure we're going to give them much choice there. Oh, much chance. Um, Tigre, Patronato, San Martín de San Juan are the other teams down there right now. But then there's a two-point gap to Belgrano and a six-point gap Sorry, a four-point gap from Belgrano to Gimnasia, a six-point gap from San Martín de San Juan to Gimnasia. Um, so it's already looking at this fairly early stage to me as if the relegation race is in danger of deciding itself quite early because Gimnasia and Belgrano have both picked up, you know, they've had decent starts this season. Seven points mm. from five games is, in this context, in the context of the relegation battle, it's all right. Newell's are tanking a little bit, but I doubt they're going to get dragged down that easily. Um, it could be the four teams that are actually in the relegation zone right now who end up going down. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Tigre have 
really um, struggled so far. Padre Ronaldo have looked awful. Uh, unless Al Nasiri somehow fall off a cliff, because obviously they'll lose a load of points of points per game if they start losing matches. But yeah, you have to imagine they will come down a little bit as the season wears on. But there were not three, that far. I'm, I'm sure there were three coaches that uh, left there. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot. Thank you. The positions. I, I remember. Berti? Uh, Argentinos Juniors, who's already been replaced by Ezequiel Carboni, so the man with the best nickname in the Argentine uh, Superliga is already back in management shortly after leaving Lanús. Um, also Forestello from San Martín de Tucumán. Yeah. And uh, Pumpido from Patronato, the two of the relegation battles. I'm surprised by Forestello. Forestello have the, the talent to, to put teams in, in Primera, but <laughs> yes. he almost it's, lost the chart in Primera. This is a job. Always, always. That's a job for Caruso. You think? Yes. I, I think I hope that they're playing Caruso enough on television channels that I don't watch um, to uh, for, for him not to come back into the world of Argentine football. It's much You're not missing him, him, Sam. Really, even if you don't realise that I, yeah. it's even much better for him because he's he's being paid a, a fixed sum of money, some money, and uh, I am well uh, unless he insults someone. I don't think he will be sacked. And in the case of a team uh, football team. If he loses four matches in a row uh, in a team that is fighting not to this to be relegated, he could be sacked. So it's even sure safer for him. The other thing, of course, is that he could be holding out to the end of the year when they make a decision over the national team, um, because we know that he'd love to manage Argentina. Yes. Oh yeah, sure. And we might discuss a little bit of that after this break. What we will also discuss is a football match that's being played this coming Sunday. We don't do very many previews on Hand of Pod, um, but we're going to have to preview this one at least a bit. We've sort of already done half the preview, really. But anyway, here's some music for you. Super Clásico is happening this weekend, as you might have heard, or you might not have done, because if you're listening to Hand of Pod, then there's a good chance that we're your only real outlet on Argentine football, and I've just told you, so you've heard now. Um, Boca Juniors host River Plate in the only match that anybody really cares about in Argentine football, or at least the only match that anybody who's not an Argentine football fan really cares about in Argentine football. Um, Esteban Andrade is out of the game. That we know for sure, that, yeah. That, that's the main team news. We don't know how long he is going to be out for, but we know that he's not going to be playing this Sunday. And we can um, be fairly sure as well that Carlos Tevez will start in what might be his last Superclásico, because he hasn't been playing much in the Copa, but in hmm. Superliga he's been playing a little bit more as kind of so, in this new role as uh, sub-reserve that he has. So two potential boosts for River there before the game. Andrade being mm. out and Tevez being in. So um, Boga playing with nine. I've also just realised, right, there are two games on at 11 on Sunday, two games on at one fifteen, and then nothing until the Super Classico. And then Racing are playing GB. on Monday for some reason. My girlfriend's going to be absolutely delighted. We're going to be able to do stuff on Sunday, apart from during the Super Classico. Uh, Tevez the other day, uh, what I think he, he's doing better, what he does best right now, we just talk because there was a, a doing commercials. <laughs> no, no, because uh, I don't or we don't like or at this 
how the point we don't like to talk a lot about the. We're going to say we don't like. To. <laughs> also, also, <laughs> yeah, it's fairly strong. Uh, about the discussion between the players, and yeah, we are better than because Prato, for example, the other day said that River has more personality or more character, like we say here, than Boca, and Tevez, uh, of course, didn't stay uh, shut. He, he, he responded saying that, uh, well, uh, but we, we have more caps than them. Than them. So uh, I think that this fair that, that Tevez right now is talking more than he's playing, but I don't like these things of... Uh, uh, a player, uh, at least a, a player from River, talking about the, that they are better than Boca because blah blah blah, it's a lot of talking and you give space to the rival to, to of course, to, to feel like more encouraged uh, in fact, the, I think yes, yeah, yeah. basically Prato's doing Barasek a lot of team talk for him of course <laughs> uh, um. in fact, yesterday there were some phrases that I think Boca painted in the, in the I think the corridors of the of the of the Bombonera with phrases from River players that were uh, in favor of Boca, like for example Almada when said that uh, we were two 0 down and, and people uh, were singing a lot and and, and Roberto Ayala the, the mouse Ayala the, the former River defender saying that they they were trembling that the, the team was trembling when he was playing there and this of Prato could if they lose against Boca could use for this uh, purpose also. Hmm. So I don't like players when they talk and then they have, of course, the, the, the answer from the, from the right. Yeah, but I, I think that you should uh, take it from where it come from because Prato was very um, criticized because, because he wasn't scoring. So maybe his way to to try to make the River fans fell in love with him again is just yes. talking. Yeah, and Tevez came to talk, not, not came Pr- to play, Prato. to be honest. Prato also had uh, quite a bad time when he broke through at Boca and basically didn't get any love, um, mm. which is why he went to Belles. And uh, River, although he's having a difficult time, I've not really got a sense that the fans have particularly turned against him that much, which mm. I, I think if they had done, they kind of deserve it, because he is the because top record he, signing and he's not really been that good for them. But In the last matches, uh, except for the rushing uh, for, for Libertadores, he also scoring but helped the team. Uh, a lot, and that's something that the, especially Argentinian supporters uh, give special value. Mm-hmm. They don't score, but they sacrifice themselves. Like Luercio, who we just talking about <laughs> in the break. Yeah, similar. Yeah. similar. In our positional rundown on the league, when I read the um, table out just before the break, I didn't mention River's name. Uh, they're actually only three points worse off than Boca, so they could. Uh, the goal difference swing is probably going to be too much for River to leapfrog Boca. Oh, no, actually, no. If they won 3-0, then, then they would leapfrog Boca on goals scored. Do you see that? No, hang on. No, there's no goal difference. They've both got the same goal difference. I'm misreading <laughs> this. Um, but, but River have won one and drawn four, whereas Boca have won three, drawn one, lost one, which means that Boca are three points better off with ten and River have got seven. Um, so they're not sort of a million miles apart at this relatively early and yet quite late stage of the season. Um, but... Is that going to play into it at all? I think it's a little bit early now to be thinking who's going to finish second behind Racing this year. Yeah. Also, I think that Super Classic goes. And in anyway, that, that's going to be Atletico Tucumán. So really, course, yeah. <laughs> race for third place. Yeah, it's a race for third place. I mean, Aldosivi are going to are going to go for it. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't sure what that. I was about to say the Super Classic I, I 
I don't it's want to. It's a strange get... one because, like, yeah, I don't want to. They've been playing the Copa. That's where most of the attention's been been set. Obviously, now with the Copa games out of the way, uh, the myriad uh, TV channels that cover sport and by sport mostly football in Argentina are doing their best to hype up this game. And of course, it's going to be an interesting spectacle. Uh, yeah, but also the uh, it's I, a neutral will think... watch it. I'm sure and. It, It'll be entertaining, if not the best football, most likely. Yeah. But, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I see Boca and River fairly well-matched. Um, in the last few seasons as well, you've seen we've had like, this phenomenon where home advantage hasn't seemed to weigh as heavy as possibly it did once. There have been a lot of uh, away wins in this fixture, uh, both for Boca and for River. Mm. Um, I don't think either side... Um, will be afraid of the other they know exactly what they're up against River obviously have kind of the psychological edge having won in the most recent clash which was the Supercopa um, but again that'll give Boca just that extra edge if any was if anyone needed which I'm not sure it is to uh, to make amends let's say and yes yeah, it's, it's going to be an, an interesting game I think yeah. that there is a thing that the uh will go against the spectacle or the show that is that of course it, this, this match comes uh, four days after the, the first leg of the Copa Libertadores for both so uh, of course we expect uh, teams that ha- will have more likely to do with the reserves than the, the natural uh, starting eleven that are showing of, of course for Copa Libertadores and if they do it, they, if they both do it is like uh, perhaps easy for them because uh, if Boca for example has to win and puts everything that should be a problem for River but in this case I think that uh, both will uh, uh, will prefer to put more a mixed team or more reserved than, than you think in this game I think this both go for first teams yeah what, what I would ask is how much of an advantage does Andrada's absence give River no, marginal, I think. Mar- I think. Yeah, I mean, the goalkeeper is important, step obviously. To, to Rossi? It's a step down, of course, but the goalkeeper's the goalkeeper. And I know um, both Boca and River have, have won games in the past with lot, a lot worse keepers than, than Andrade, we, we, uh, than Rossi. Actually, we were seeing a, a few Boca-Rivers game in yes. the TV before we started, and we remember, or actually saw something that our mind raised that uh, a really big mistake from Carrizo that yeah, I don't think Rossi is going to actually <laughs> replicate I, I, I suppose in the Super Classico of 2011 where Juan, Juan Carrizo somehow manages to throw uh, Pablo Mauche corner into his own net in the Bombanera I don't know if you guys remember that yeah but I don't, I don't think that, that Rossi is actually that uh, I, I think just Boca supporters were a bit like to a costume to strong characters and quite good goalkeepers. Yeah, and, perhaps Rossi's a little bit too retiring to Yeah, so to be may, a Boca maybe it's just it doesn't fit the Boca ball on the pitch. I think he's always been a pretty useful keeper to me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's more about that, about not, not being into the Boca mold if you want to, not being an Oscar Cordoba that was extravagant yeah. even if he made a few mistakes. Or even Orion. Or Orion, yeah. I mean, we all hate Orion, I suppose. Yeah. But, but he had that personality. Well, but human beings. So. Yeah, but yeah. he made a few good saves in, in his time. Even we should remember that he went to a World Cup 
mm-hmm. because of uh, their performance. He gave a book at some point and until they start to, to make a few lot mistakes and went to Russell and all, and all that but I think it's just about not having the right personality to be in Boca more, most I, of anything I'd agree with that yeah I think that's that's not too far off the mark Boca have had a goalkeeper injured right before a Super Classico before have they now Hugo Gatti who you might have heard of uh, everybody on this table's heard of him just to be clear listeners you might have heard of him uh, he was a great goalkeeper he was the man who was sort of fighting it out with with Rivers Ubaldo Filiol basically mm-hmm. for the Argentina um, number one jersey during quite a big part of the 70s he got injured a week or two uh, playing against Independiente he fractured his jaw and he oh. as a result missed a Super Classical shortly afterwards which, which River yeah. won 1-0 so good omens for River yeah. uh, well that's good news for Andrada because Gatti can't talk now is it? <laughs> yes <laughs> so, and how um, but, yeah, yeah, also, um, I, I, I was thinking yesterday about other uh, stories of Boca goalkeepers that um, got injured in that kind of circumstances. And I remember about Nancieri in 98 that was replacing Cordoba that was injured. About Nancieri was starting that, um, that Super Classico that, if I don't remember, uh, badly Boca won 2 0 with a Bermudez and Palermo's goal. And. It was the apparition of uh, Munoz that replaced Avondancieri somewhere in the first half. And I remember the, the talk back then that, that Munoz was the bright future of Boca goal and keep visit and went to Chile and that, disappeared. I remember that, that match he was great. Uh, he, he played well and it, of course, reminds, reminds us of the uh, Copa Libertadores 2004 in which Kids uh, uh, scored penalties for Boca to eliminate River. Kids uh, that you you or support Boca supporters could may think before. Uh, oh no! How come you put them to to shoot penalties or or, or how come Munoz is a is a goalkeeper to replace uh, Abundancieri in a Super Clásico? And then they play well and, and of course uh, the supporters yeah. finally uh, uh, say that. Of course, they, they don't say anything anything else. But uh, yeah, also, it's it's about circum- circumstance because sometimes uh, Munoz was uh, doing his uh, first team debut and whatever else. And I think it's just about mentality. So, so maybe Rossi is saying this is a second chance for me and when yeah. to to do everything right. I mean, it, it's also the the the, the great uh, thing about football. You know, it's not just about what what we can talk and think before. Maybe Rossi says this is a huge chance and maybe overshadow Andrada somehow. And what a chance! It's a race river. Uh, you don't know how time, how many time uh, Andrada will be out. So yeah. It's yes, uh, just the opportunity to, to, to hold and to, to to grab, of course. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to questions now. The first is by email, so I'll read it before I forget about it. It's from Ese Todoroki. Who says, what was the best goal of round five? Such a long time ago. Polida Rodriguez. That, that's, that's what I'm going to go with, because it's the only decent one I can remember from round five. <laughs> um, any opinions? Jones? Yes, I, I don't remember. I think that I don't remember a lot of goals from round five, but I do remember that. So it's enough. And he also asks, will River have an advantage over Independiente for the second leg? Uh, the Libertadores second legs are being played in two weeks' time. 
um, which is going to complicate things for recording that week a yes. bit because I'm going away shortly after that, so I prefer to record early, but we're not going to be able to record early in the week, I mean, so we'll see. On Tuesday, uh, the second is uh, River against Independiente, and the fourth, Thursday, the 4th of October, is Boca against Crusader. Yes, so spoiler alert, we're going to be recording that week before the, the Boca game because it's on the Thursday and I can't record on the Friday. Um, but anyway. Will River have an advantage? I think it's what River were playing for. I think it's R- what they played for uh, against Racing, and it's what they played for again against. And it's what they've tended to play Indian. for away from home in, in yeah. the Continental Cups for the last, certainly for the last twelve months, probably for the last twenty-four or so. I mean, when you draw um, the first leg nil-nil, it just means that the first twenty, thirty minutes of the second leg are, are massive. It's all about how you start that match, you, how yeah. you can get forward. I think you saw against Racing. I didn't see it particularly because I was about to board a plane for New York and trying to get any sort of uh, radio signal in a Sacer airport. Uh, getting it just to hear the goal. <laughs> you, should, you should record yourself Conch doing that. You should record yourself doing that. It wasn't good. It, it would be like some kind of yeah. weird movie. We'll I wasn't in a great mood. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the key basically. Um, if River need to repeat exactly what they did against Racing, come out strongly in front of their own fans try and get ahead early if they can get that first goal it really helps to put some of the nerves away because obviously if Independiente strike first and we all know they have the attacking ability to do so um, that leaves them that leaves River with a real uphill task um, yeah I'd say at this point just as it wasn't before the first leg it remains completely 50-50 uh, either team yes. can take it. But I think River surprised a bit uh, uh, last night in, um, because I think that at least the first minutes of the first half, he did what he uh, they perhaps uh, they were expected to do at the Monumental rather than as, as the as a way condition, which is to press a lot and then to mm. uh, to go ahead with especially Casco that played his best match ever for River and Montiel who is we know that he's a, right, a centre back <coughs> converted into right back, but he did a, a great job. I and mean, I think the first minutes uh, we were played like he did against Racing at the moment, at, at, at home away, yeah. home condition. Uh, on to Twitter, where Biting Flea says two questions for the next hand of pod. He sent these in a couple of days ago. Uh, number one: Do Argentinian players drink mate before, during, or after games? Yes. Yes. I do. But yes, but not all of them, I'm guessing, but most of them, yeah. Yes, but mostly, mostly in the con- concentrations than in the matches. Yeah, you occasionally see it on the benches, and it always confuses me because yeah. I often need to go and evacuate my bowels after I've had. As someone who drinks mate quite a lot before playing football, and, uh, you shouldn't drink much mate before <laughs> playing football. That's all I'm going to say. Advice for the kids, don't do it. <laughs> it's a good weightless, you know, if you have to go, you know, maybe if you're a boxer and have a weigh in just afterwards, it's a fairly good tactic, but. Thank you for the image. I need yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, number two from Biting Flea is what really stops the AFA from running a league similar to European ones? 20 teams, 38 games, March till November. Thanks, Biting Flea. The uh, fact that they had 30 teams in the league two years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, so. they're shrinking it down to do precisely that. And March to November, well, they're going to be, supposedly, they're going to be moving back to a year-long calendar quite soon. They, they preferred, they wanted to move to a year-long calendar, then they decided, no, we want to line up the... Um, line things up better transfer-wise with the um, 
what's the word, uh, the, the European season. And then right after they did that and they realigned it to what it is at the moment, the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana announced that they were going to be moving to a year-round calendar. So now Argentina, at some point, is going to have to um, start the process of going back to the year-round thing because they weren't expecting that. Um, so it's sort of partly in and partly out of their hands. Uh, it's, they're not entirely to blame, but basically they're working towards doing something like that, or that's what we hear anyway. River in English says, Am I the only person who thinks that Scaloni will end up getting the national job permanently next year after, after doing okay and seeing all the major candidates turning it down? I think He's it's an interesting idea. Done all right, yeah. And if he does get it, it's clearly because they couldn't get anyone else. I mean, uh, you've seen so many people rule themselves out of the running. Uh, Garica choosing to stay with Peru. Uh, and for some reason, Martinez come back into the running, which I find quite flabbergasting com- well, so we, we said this considering last, the, the nature of his exit. We said last week, uh, and Peter said on Twitter shortly before we recorded last week, that it'll be an enormous waste of time. Not because Martino's necessarily a bad manager, but because they sacked him two years ago. You're essentially throwing away a whole World Cup cycle yep. by sacking mm-hmm. this bloke who was probably good enough to take you into the World Cup, yeah. tearing up that project, going through three more managers in the next two years, that and then going, you know what, we wanted you all along, let's have you back. That was the old Alpha. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, the old, old Alpha. I have two questions Alpha. about Escaloni uh, or any other manager that can come to Argentina. Let's hope not Caruso. Um, that actually might my, my fit the question I have. It's um, the personality because most of... Well, I, I'm, I'm going to give myself a little bit of background because um, we all suppose or think or hear that most of the selection of the teams and the squads are based on pressure from presidents, the media, whichever else come along. The, even maybe some said the president of Russia, you know, that. I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to. I'm surprised about that. But have the the the, the guts to choose mm-hmm. their own team, choose they whoever they want to 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 choose to play um, and do the, the the job. You know, even I, I don't have I don't know the credentials of Escaloni besides the his time playing, um, and I don't know how uh, he wants to 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 they their play um, their team to play football. But that, I think that's that's the, the the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about an Argentinian manager. I have the the, the the balls to say no. This is my team, and this is the players I want. Uh, in and ignore the media pressure, ignore the, the, the any kind of people talking about who uh, should go to the Argentinian team. Mm. Yeah. Could it still be Jorge Almirón? Do you think he's a free agent now? After doing quite badly with Atletico Nacional, but of course that doesn't necessarily hamper him because, as we learned with Franco Armani, nobody in Argentina has a clue what's going on. With no, that. no one knows. In Colombia, so they only know he's not knows. with them, and they wouldn't have to pay any compensation, which yeah. is a bonus. And the last thing he did in Argentina was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Actually, Macri said that. Once. And Macri likes. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking about the president. What's this space? That he has any influence on the Afro at all, of course. Oh, no, 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 please. God forbid. Definitely not. Little Bird says, after Santos Borre was about as accurate as a blind monkey with a machine gun (laughs) against Independiente, and with Mora being on form last week, am I blinded by my love for the Uruguayan, that's Mora, if I think a Prato-Mora front two is not out of the question if Skoko doesn't start? Well, I I, I tweeted yesterday that Santos Santos Borre reminds me of uh, George Kevin and Kudu, whoever that 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 
watched Tottenham in the last two years may catch that maybe he started to play well, dribble a little bit and get the the opponent on the floor. But when it comes to to deciding and and choose if shoot if pass or how to do it, oh my god, that was baffling. And uh, I saw the worst poor the, the, the poorest poorest decision I saw in a football pitch in a long time. It's kind of one of those in that select group of uh, River players who only perform against one team, and that's Racing. <laughs> he's not the only one. He's been pretty good. He's along with Rogelio Funemori. He's had a couple of decent ones normally, yeah. but I mean, overall, yeah, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me if he scores the winner on Sunday, though. What happened on the subject of Santos Borre? What happened with the domestic violence accusation that he picked up about? 24 hours before the game. It was dismissed, I think. It was dismissed? Yes. Dismissed. That wasn't ideal preparation, you know, if it was indeed uh, not true and dismissed so quickly, which it's, is it's, interesting. It's uh, curious how Colombian players have this problem. <laughs> no, okay. I, 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 no, I see it. Oh, with the Fabra. Cardona. Fabra Cardona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, no, 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 Get involved with anything no, like that. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Oh, Andres, hang on. You're a River fan. So, what do you think about the idea of a, a Prat or Mora front two for River? Yes, he's he clearly not a goal scorer. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've had some problems. Uh, I mean, when he had to, uh, well, he had the goal there and, and can, couldn't convert or couldn't score. Um, uh, perhaps he's better in another position, like a second striker, or a, a, no, a, like for example, Sarate, that Guillermo says he's number nine, but he's not. Well, in this case, he's similar, perhaps. Uh, because he, I, I don't uh, dislike him, but uh, yes, situations like that like, like night in which he had a, the goal uh, in the last minute and he couldn't cross the header, uh, it was, yes, hard to, to support. How is he at making Matis? Maybe that could be his new yes. role. Or coffee. Or, 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 or coffee, yeah. With Arepa. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, something to think about. Yes, and Mora has an advantage there because uh, Gallardo likes uh, Mora a lot more and not because of, of, of the game but because what Mora suffered. And all, you see all the time Gallardo talking well about him, on him, uh, because he's a good guy and we like him and and he always, he's very uh, touching when he talks about Mora. He's, uh, I mean uh, about all aspects, not only football. Mm. Uh, about he, because of what he suffered and how he recovered and how he's now with the team. Uh, that's something that Borre didn't, didn't suffer, mm. and, and and that's why Gallardo I think that prefers if he had to choose between. Uh, Mora and, and Santos Borre, and because Santos Borre is not very well, well, yes, uh, that will be the decision. I, I, in that case, I, I will agree with, with the, the listener. Jamie says, is there a chance that Franco Armani's performances might get noticed in Europe, or is he now too old for a high-profile move to the big leagues? No, I, think, I, I think it's the latter. I think he's found his, his level, like... Particularly after his World Cup, where, yeah. I mean, he didn't... Really, it was what one mistake from the two matches he had under enormous pressure. Yeah, but that's what Europeans remember. This guy was shit in the World Cup, so he must be shit. Never mind the fact that he's been yeah. brilliant. Here yeah, I know. Before the World Cup, there was some talk that he 
he could be bound for Juventus, you know, in that time where <laughs> Buffon had just left. Maybe, you know, probably more of as more of a backup rather than their first yeah. choice. But yeah, the World Cup really didn't do him any favours and River is his best bet for now and maybe possibly we'll see him move to Mexico in a few years, taking the the Battle Verde route. Yeah, just, I, I don't uh, think the problem I think the the problem is the is the age. I think that it, it's something that uh, I promise the listener to 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 tackle because I don't think it's the age because if someone of us remember Abundanciati went to to Europe kind of late and some are uh, goalkeepers too. I'm surprised that even Nerio Champagne is in Europe at this point. <laughs> um, so I don't think that the problem is the age or if he's a good good goalkeeper or not. I just don't think that the way he was um, footballing raised, you know, the, the technique he has to, to, to be a goalkeeper, it's good enough to Europe. And I, I, I was talking about Armani in... in in the office in my job the the, the, the situation came with the, the, the Shigliotti stop that made last night the, oh my god he's amazing and I said okay he's a good goal st- uh, shot stopper no he's not he's an amazing shot stopper I said okay. but I know what you mean because let's go back to Andrade again Andrade is much more the style of goalkeeper who sort of dominates his area yeah. goes up to claim crosses and, and, and so, I mean Armani sweeps up behind the defence as well um, but but in in sort of different ways, and so I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean and it's a similar case to Barovero. Let's yeah. say fantastic, fantastic shot stoppers, but they're kind of guys who don't quite have the all round ability yeah, to do it. Of course, and the and thing is, what they do is very uh, photogenic, and it's getting to get them on all the highlight reels, and it looks yeah, brilliant amazing, rather yeah. than a guy who cleans up every single loose ball and doesn't have to face up. And I. Don't, I painfully remind everyone about the game against France mm-hmm. and one of the goals Bappe uh, scored that he should have gone to the to try to block it with the leg instead mm-hmm. of with the hand and that's something you you um, teach yourself over the years to do um, to, to try to do that it's something natural you do it as a reflex and, and so it's something you should have to, to play well in Europe and that also remind me for example of the of Pablo Caballero and in the game against Sweden that he, he had that little jump uh, in the uh, in the uh, free kick that, mm-hmm. that Svensson scored. That's something natural to you as a goalkeeper. You do it all the time, but you have to pick one to do it. And, and that's are the little things that make you between a good, a great, and an excellent uh, goalkeeper. So I think it's, it's just about that. It's just about doesn't have the all-round kind of goalkeeper to, to make you... Um, a future big transfer to Europe from, yeah. from South America. Yes, and he uh, uh, was uh, saving a lot of, of, of balls for River, uh, uh, making no mistakes or or perhaps very few mistakes. He goes to the World Cup and he makes one mistake. And that mistake is a goal from France and that goal from France makes France win uh, 4-2 or well, the third goal. Yeah, I think it's third, yeah. 4-3 uh, was the final score, yeah. So it's, it's cruel, but it's like that. And, and I think that in Europe, perhaps, they, they may think, why Armani was eight or seven years in Colombia and wasn't signed by another team from Argentina, and now it's at River and not before. I think that's in Europe, perhaps, they, 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 they should wonder this. And that's why he, he, didn't, he won't have that space now. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was this summer, I think, uh, this winter in Argentine terms, but uh, summer yeah. for most of our 
European listeners, I'm guessing, in America. Yeah, US and it's, it's, it's a difference in style. I mean, it's not necessarily any less effective. Let's not forget he's just had the third longest run in Argentine mm-hmm. league history without conceding a goal. Yeah. Um, but it's not the style that European clubs are looking for. It's, it's not the way of playing. No. Um, Wayward from Hayward says, Boca and River each have five goals, four and two against heading into the Super Classico, yet they're separated by three points. Who's going to win on Sunday? That's, that's a little bit misleading considering that River scored four and conceded one of those in just a single game. Mm. <laughs> I think it's a fair reflection of the five games uh, overall, really. I yeah. don't know if that's unfair. If I, had, if I had to choose, I think it's a draw. I think it's a 1-1. I was going to say 1-1-2. One, 1-1-2, one, one, yeah. 1-1 <laughs> as well. Chief to the referee. Mr. Wayward is asking who's going to win, but he has also signed himself up for the mystical predictions, and he's gone for a draw in that match. So. Oh, there we go. Bit of a cheat there. We're all um, going to sit on the fence, I think. But we will get back to that in a minute. Nate Kubeta says, How does fandom tend to work with the Buenos Aires clubs? Is it based on location, family, class, etc.? I'm curious because I always see banners from what seem to be the same Buenos Aires neighbourhoods <laughs> at different clubs. So, yeah, what happens is basically you could have um, four or five guys from Calachito, from Almagro, from Vicente Lopez, from wherever really they get together, they find they're all, I don't know, Racing or River or Independiente fans, and they think, oh, that's cool, we should start going to games together. Oh, yeah, all right. And over time, they might put a few quid together, and they basically just make a banner with their club colours and and the neighbourhood name. That's essentially how it works. I mean... Uh, just because you see, I don't know, an Almagro banner in, in the Racing Stadium. It doesn't I mean, there are loads and loads and loads. No, it means they have... A, well, they do have fans, of course, yeah. But it's a handful of guys yeah, who get together. That, and, that doesn't mean yeah. that. Yeah, I've yeah. travelled quite a few times over the country with, with this kind of guys. Um, lads from Gerli, which is a, a locality not far away from Avellaneda. Um, I think it's obviously... It's also uh, Seba Garcia's hometown, mm-hmm. uh, right on the border between Navachaneda and Lanús in the south of Buenos Aires. And it's the same kind of situation. It's um, a group of six or seven lads who got together and they made a little banner for themselves, which yeah. was a really nice thing. It wasn't so fun when we were in Tucumán uh, in a game that was abandoned due to a flood. And we had to hide the banner and get the hell out of the stadium before Atletico Tucumán fans caught us and robbed the banner. Because that's a fun thing to do when uh, matches are postponed. Yes. But we were right in the end. Talking about Buenos Aires, sorry Sam to interrupt, uh, I saw you about to talk. Um, A little bit of of what happened too is uh, the kind of weird immigration that... I don't want to. I don't want to, to use the word immigration movement of people that maybe the whole family has a house uh, in Vicente Lopez. For I'll give you an example, which is outside the the, the capital, and somehow uh, the son moves to Almagro because of he wants to to um, study in the university, and suddenly in the university find a, a couple of uh, of fellow fans. That, that kind of stuff usually happens in, in Argentina, that you have this kind of movement between the capital and what it's around the greater Buenos Aires. And that, that also influences, I suppose, the stuff, with, especially with the Racing Independiente that are actually outside the, the, the capital. Mm-hmm. About I, how I think I, I tend to assume from, from our listeners when they ask about Buenos Aires clubs that we're talking about the whole of the greater Buenos Aires. So. 
Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. abroad, until I moved here, I didn't really differentiate. Yeah, you, you really don't know that Vishaneda is an old city, yeah. I mean, I, I, when I came here on holiday, I stayed in the Solar West, they are in Moron, so I'm aware of, of the differences. But most <laughs> people just think of Buenos Aires as the 13 million people sprawling all Yeah, way. yeah, I think the Russian Independent are from the, the so, same city. Yeah, the Russian Independent, they're from Buenos Aires, so yeah, for yeah. the purposes of this question. And for example, you go to the north or to the west, you have the, a, a huge avenue that divides. Uh, Buenos, uh, capi, capi, the capital to, to Greater Buenos Aires, but if you go, for example, to Avellaneda, hmm. you have the uh, 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 highway. Yeah, bridge over a you are, uh, river. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you go down that highway and you are in, uh, in Avellaneda, and you perhaps don't even realize that you are there. Except for the banner. Yeah, it's more subtle, yeah. That tells you that you are an independent state. Well, you do have to cross a river to get there, so I'm guessing it is a fairly your, your substantial nose, divide. Your nose yeah. will realize. I don't, you know? I, case, I don't, I don't yeah. smell. I, um, I can smell. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. It, it, it does depend which way the wind is going, actually. <laughs> I've been over it and it smelt fine, but I've also been over it sometimes. And it absolutely I tend to find stinks. that it smells worse leaving Capital mm. than when you're coming back. That's yeah. when you most... We should do a, bag- a book about it. Um, yeah. It's interesting that Nate decides to ask this today, by the way, because during the Boca game last night, I got asked on Twitter by somebody why there was a big banner saying Guernica. Um, and I looked it up and sure enough <laughs> it's a locality in the southwest of Buenos Aires Buenos Aires yeah. province called Guernica and that's clearly where these people are from um, but yeah I mean in terms of, of class that there's this old trope that all Boca fans are lower class and working class and all River fans are rich people but the current president of Argentina is a lifelong Boca fan who's also a, you know born into a millionaire family yep. um, and it's not as if you never see people collecting cardboard to recycle on the streets in River shirts and so on so I think that stuff might have been true once upon a time I don't think it is in the 21st century mm-hmm. um, location yeah maybe not with the big clubs that we talk about on Hand of Pod every week there is a thing about like Racing and with... Independiente actually if I can share go on they say, the like, popular opinion has it, that Independiente have a lot more fans within Avellaneda and the areas surrounding Avellaneda. I was uh, thinking that actually earlier when I saw this Sarandí, Villa Dominico, mm. uh, these kind of... Entirely anecdotally. Whereas um, Racing have more fans on a national level, which mm. goes back to the early days of amateur football. Racing were the best club around, the um, Hepta yeah. champions. And used to do a lot of national tours, which left kind of seeds of Racing support in God knows where, in Bahia Blanca, in Córdoba, mm-hmm. Tucumán, Santiago del Estero, all over the place. And so it, that's why Independiente have a lot of fans in a very heavily populated area, which is Argentina, but Racing are kind of spread a little bit thinner. And entirely anecdotally, when I still went down to Avellaneda semi-regularly to watch matches, going to a completely packed out sold out Independiente match getting back into the city of Buenos Aires afterwards was always way easier traffic wise than going to a two thirds full Racing match yeah. and then trying to get back in for the Racing game you could be waiting an hour and a half two hours sometimes for the bus literally and the traffic's just solid mm-hmm. and for the Independiente and there are far fewer people heading back into Capital Federal um, but yeah basically Nate family comes into it location comes into it for clubs like Atlanta um, if you're in San Telmo, even though there is no, now Club Atletico San Telmo play just outside the city, they don't play in San Telmo anymore, but there are still a lot of San Telmo fans and San Telmo banners down there, as I know, because I lived there for four and a half years. 
El Magro, the smaller clubs are very much location based. The big ones, not so much. Um, Trey says that that's exactly exactly the same question as he has, and then he adds, "What is the status of the new San Lorenzo Stadium in Boedo? Is it still happening? Is it on hold? <coughs> is it not going to happen in a million years?" So we have two answers here. One is from me, and that is that I went past it. Uh, one of my friends lives uh, sort of. It, it is halfway between the, on the bus route between my house and her house. Um, so my girlfriend and I, when we go for our Saturdays at her place, we we have to get the bus right past where that stadium is going to be built. At the moment, it's still a, just a fucking massive supermarket, basically. It's not, the construction hasn't started. Um, so or the demolition. The physical side of it. Yeah. Uh, the, physically speaking, nothing at all has happened. Uh, I also referred this question to Mariano, our tamed San Lorenzo fan, who says um, that what I put on Twitter is pretty much it. He said there are payments that have been issued to Counter for every few months. They have the basketball stadium up already, uh, but the football one is not going to happen anytime soon. There you go. So, there we go. Between never and a million years, yes. Indeed. Uh, Darren Paul says, Hi lads, not a question right now, but just want to say I make my pro commentary debut Mm -hmm. on Saturday. And Sam, you're a big part of that with the live stream you did a few years ago. I'm glad to hear that, Darren. I'm glad somebody's making money out of me doing a live stream a few years ago. I never did. Which live stream (laughs) was this? Actually, I I did. Rabble TV. I I was getting Uh. paid by the game for those people. But I'm delighted to have uh, inspired you, Darren. And if you're listening to this and you'd like me to comment on that, to commentate on matches, um, please get in touch as well, because I'm happy to take money for that. Um, <laughs> and Darren also said, when Musso was sold and Arias was brought in, I was sceptical and a bit miffed as a racing fan. Now I am a believer in the church of Arias. <laughs> who would you have signed? Who, who have you signed? I think he means who have our club signed to replace a quality player only to be shocked by their own excellence. I mean, I'm guessing you're going to go for Arias down there, except not really a shock because you'd seen him play already. No, it wasn't too much of a shock. Like He came with a, a fairly large reputation already and um, also was impressive. You know, um, He wasn't a sacker either, let's say. He was a kid who kind of broke his way into the first team and did really well, even with that kind of inexperience, which obviously as a keeper always weighs heavy. I think uh would have liked to see him carry on and you know like really build them up at Racing but unfortunately that couldn't happen um, other specific examples I mean it's hard to pin one down because like in Argentine football there are so many transfers so yeah. much turnover that you just get used to people leaving and coming like you can't you know as as you say in Argentina you can't marry anyone really but you just have to take it and move on. It looks like after Saha and Orion, for example, heavy goalkeepers, now they found, and Musso, which was a young goalkeeper, they found a low profile, but uh, like, no, Arias no, is no, uh, not uh, anyone that likes to appear in cam- on camera and, and, and to uh, be like uh, the star, but just do, do his job, and, and I think that up to now he has, has done well, so. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a different profile than, than the ones I mentioned, like Saha, Leon, even Musso. I think he's in the, in the middle of those. Um, yes, it's a, he, he showed, of course, he, at Gimnasia what he was capable of. Defensa Justicia. Oh, Defensa Justicia? Yeah, yeah, it's the other. Uh, ah, the Martin other Arias is the one from Gimnasia. <laughs> the yes. still there. It's too, too much Arias. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that was the season that they, they were our first and second choices for oh. goalkeeper of the season a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. weren't they? Um, I'm going to go for Quintero. 
actually. I, I, he wasn't really signed to replace anybody, but he turned up and he was like, okay, well, Porto don't want this guy. And he's turned up overweight and whatnot. And then he got on the pitch. And he's been amazing. Almost, He was actually fairly anonymous on Wednesday night. But until that point, he, he's been clearly River's best player the entire time, apart from Armani. Um, so I'll, I'll say him. Anyone else? Tony, Andres? Anything? Mm, no. No, not really. I don't have someone in mind right now. Because I don't want to marry anyone that, like, stands at that. Andres? There we go. Uh, Cody Laboy says, after Gigi Dede, Dede, after that person's controversial sending off against Boca, as well as the Santos fiasco, do any of you believe that there is really a bias against Brazilian clubs or in favour of Argentine clubs in the Copa Libertadores? Most Brazilian fans seem certain there is. But then most Argentine fans thought there was a bias in favour of Brazilian clubs a couple of years ago after that... uh, shameful Sudamericana final with Tigre where the players were beat up in the dressing rooms at half time didn't come mm. back out yeah. and it was apparently all okay so yes, no, no, were named champions exactly um, it swings and roundabouts all it? River fans think that the AFA are massively biased towards Boca all Boca fans think the AFA are massively biased towards River and uniquely all other fans think the AFA is biased towards Boca and River exactly um this happens absolutely everywhere. I've, I've got one bloke clogging up my Twitter mentions at the moment who, on Tuesday night, after the Nunez sending off, um, tweeted to me. He seemed to think I disagreed with it, which I didn't, as I said earlier. Um, but he tweets to me and he goes, now that VAR has been introduced, Argentine and Uruguayan clubs don't stand a chance of winning the Libertadores again for ages. <laughs> and I was like, right, first of all, when was the last Uruguayan club to win the Libertadores? Why are you even bringing them up if this isn't because of some dementia? So that's why they're not, That's why Peñarol aren't going to win the Libertadores. I and knew secondly, it. that's not. It wasn't then, just because they're shit. And then last night, after the Dede um, uh, thing, after the Dede red card, he tweets me again and says, "See, what did I tell you last night?" And I was like, "Well, you said that VAR was going to help Brazilian clubs to start winning, and Argentine clubs weren't going to win anymore. So I'm not really sure how you justify this, given that you just a Brazilian club just had a player sent off." Well, but after after Santos. Now that's what the mute button on Twitter's for, Sam. That's a very handy. Satisfaction. No, they don't know. If you mute, they don't know. You no, just no. yeah. It's not like blocking. But it's great fun. I've muted quite a few people, and it's, I, I, it's very I, I good I use fun. it as sparingly as I possibly can. Andres, what do you say? No, no, it's not so. Uh, uh, or or it's natural or logical to think for Brazilian supporters that Colmebol is Argentinian. Because when the Santos problem issue or issue, and now this DD or GG uh, sending off, uh, like River thinks that AFA is Bosteira, and well, it's real that Angelisi Tapia uh, and Tapia are, are, are Boca supporters, Moyano is not, he's Independiente supporter, but uh, it's, they think that, and Brazilian, now the Brazilian people now can think that because mm. hey, they are, of course, against us and, and uh, uh, it's a casualty that uh, Independiente is Argentinian and Boca also and Santos is Brazilian and Cruzeiro too coincidence uh, is the word you're looking for that what, one thing I will say about uh, the Comnebol is that um, one thing that did play in Argentina's favour I think undeniably was that their main representative in the FIFA gate corruption allegations and that whole scandal had the good sense to die before it came out. Indeed. Which means that, I think, on the whole, Argentina have got off 
rather lightly in all the fallout after... Well, apart from the sea of tornadoes. Yeah, but I mean, that's the business part of it. I mean, at a kind of institutional FA side, you've seen um, guys from Brazil get kicked out, and I know in Commonwealth there's been a move to to remove um, Mm. Del Nero, who's the, uh, Mm. I think he's the CBF head and one of the executive committee guys on Connable and also apparently allegedly sorry Sam I know you hate to get the lies involved a massive fucking crook um, it happens as well with uh, Leos of course the, the ex-Commonable chief and definitely Grandina dying in in such an opportunity <laughs> timely time <manner>. yeah <laughs> very timely very timely okay. has helped Argentina kind of paradoxically strengthen their place in in South American football because they've been relatively untainted you know uh, these allegations of were kind of buried along with Grandona we, we apologise to Sir Nicolas Leos for Dan not giving him his full title or at least the one that he wanted sorry, sorry. allegedly uh, Liam Kelly who's no relation to me says I noticed that Joel Sonora came on for Tacheres and is from the United States of America any other Americans that have played in the Argentine leagues I if remember... you ask in Spanish, almost every player who's played in the Argentine leagues is an Americano. But um, I remember there was a one kid, a goalkeeper. A I was thinking, um, he didn't play actually. But I was thinking of the Estudiantes lad, Michael Loschus. Oh, well remembered. Yeah, played, uh, yeah. I think he played a couple of games, and then he had a really nasty car accident, yeah. and that has pretty much were... ended his professional career. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Then I remember one Mexican man not from the United States, Garcia from River. Of course, two Hernandez played. Uh-huh. The Funes Mori, of course. There was a, <laughs> no, there, there was an American um, youth or, or sort of twenty-ish-year-old goalkeeper uh, who was at Tigre quite shortly him. after I came here. Oh. So 2010, 2011, he didn't play. Yeah, he was. I think he must have been about their third-choice goalkeeper. I don't think he ever got on the pitch, but he was actually like he was. Actually, American. I mean, he, he, as far as I'm aware, he didn't have any uh, Latino parentage, as Sonora clearly does with a surname like that. Um, he was just somebody who they took his club in the States and gone, yeah, let's, we'll loan you out to Argentina and you'll pick up some yeah. good technique down there. And they sent him down. I never got a chance to talk to him, unfortunately. I got put, I put in touch with him. But I'm surprised about, about Sonora because he he's, was playing at Boca because of yeah. his father, obviously. Um, and then went to Germany, and then I, now he's come back to Tacheres. It's like a that that weird things about uh, management and representation. Well, Tacheres is almost like Boca's feeder club right now. Yeah, but he's, he's not tied to Boca. He was sold to Borussia Dortmund, I think. Sure, but agents yeah. know the yeah. clubs that they work with and all. Yeah, that yeah, stuff. agents. Stop. Liam also says, "Oh, sorry, that's a response to uh, the question earlier about Franco Amani." So I'll ignore that. Uh, then that's a tweet from Tony then it's from Liam again that's it those are all the questions there we are. and we've been recording for absolutely ages so I'm going to pause or rather play some music and what you'll hear after that music are Mystic Sam's predictions and Mystic Wayward from Hayward's predictions because I've got somebody to challenge me this weekend don't go away The weekend to come looks as follows, and these are the predictions for it. On Friday, San Lorenzo host Patronato. Mystic Wayward is going for a San Lorenzo victory. I'm going for a draw. No faith in San Lorenzo at all, right? 
I mean, maybe, but I, I don't want too many of these to be the same. Colon against Godoy Cruz. Mystic Wayward says Godoy Cruz victory. I say Godoy Cruz victory as well. Uh, Newell's Old Boys against Lanus on Saturday. I apologise if you can hear my phone vibrating. My girlfriend's decided now's the best time to start texting me like crazy. Um, she's asked me to no, she's asked me to get her a bottle of wine on the way. <laughs> uh, on Saturday, Newell's versus Lanus. Uh, Mystic Wayward says it's going to be a Newell's win. I think that one's going to be a draw. Tacheres against Belisarsfield. Mystic Wayward's going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Belis win there. Um, Defensa Justicia against Estudiantes de la Plata. We're both going for a Defensa y Justicia win. Banfield <coughs> excuse me, versus Independiente. Um, Mystic Wayward says draw. I say... Hmm, I'm going to go for an Independiente win. Uh, on Sunday, San Martín... <coughs> Tucumán at home to Argentinos Juniors. Mystic Wayward's going for a San Martín de Tucumán victory. I'm going to go for an Argentinos victory. Tigre against Huracán. Mystic Wayward says Huracán. I'm, I'm going to say draw. Uh, Gimnasia versus Rosario Central. Mystic Wayward says Central. I'm going to go for a Central win as well. Uh, San Martín de San Juan against Atlético Tucumán. Uh, Mystic Wayward says Atlético Tucumán. Yeah, uh, that, that seems perfectly reasonable. I'll go for that as well. Boca against River. Mystic Wayward says draw. I'm going to go for... God, I've gone for a lot of away wins already, haven't I? I'm going to go for a River win. Um, I think that losing Andrada is going to be a blow for Boca. Um, on Monday, Aldo Civi against Belgrano de Córdoba. Mystic Wayward says a Belgrano victory. I think Aldo Civi have got that one sewn up before it even kicks off. And to close the round, Racing against Union. We're both going for victories for the home side, mm-hmm. Racing Club. Let's hope so. Uh, some interesting looking matches, aside from the one that we actually previewed this weekend, I think. Um, yeah. Defensa against the Estudiantes should be good, I think, on Saturday. Racing Union team. Two teams that have started very, very strongly. Yeah. Um, should be good. Yeah. We're not going to mess around by um, taking ages to say goodbye because we've been recording for absolutely ages already. If you're a Handapod Patreon listener, then you'll already have been able to listen by the time you hear this um, to a lovely Handapod Extra episode, which we're going to record now. Don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll work something out. We said know. everything. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much for listening for another week. We will talk at you again next week. Thanks and goodbye from Tony. Goodbye. Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English down. Thank you and goodbye. And me. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>